great to be on today uh in the future with jenny in the uk yeah and then we have uh, amazing guests today this is our first time having a guest in a little while isn't it jenny it is it is and uh i looked at both of your instagrams and they're amazing number one lynn your hair is fantastic yeah Yeah. unreal thank you like alex love it Hair is very good. She does have great hair. And then the tequila jacket you made. Oh my god! Doesn't get too much use anymore, but it but it is a nice jacket. It's a very nice jacket. Listen, I mean, so I'll give just a little bit of backstory, and then I don't know, Jenny. Maybe we should introduce ourselves. But um, I so I found the Sewn Adaptive team on uh, Instagram a while back. I you know as an ethical and sustainable fashion uh, or stylist, what do I do? Um, I was trying to figure out lots of different ways that I can impact what I'm doing. So I'm looking for ways to um, expand what I do and also do a better job at what I do. And then I came across Sewn Adaptive, which is this amazing tailoring operation uh, that makes it possible for people of all different abilities um, all different ways that people might need adaptations to their clothing, um, to have their needs met and still be fashionable and fabulous. And so I was really excited and I've been following your Instagram for a while. And then just a couple of weeks ago, um, Alex on team Sewn adaptive, we have Alex and Lynn here today had posted something that, uh, uh, was it was a another just an example of something that they had worked on recently and I was like we've got to have you on the podcast so I'm so excited we'll let you guys introduce yourselves Jenny maybe we should introduce ourselves this is a podcast what do we do what do you do I'm Jenny Zagrino I'm a comedian and I'm Kat Eves and I'm a stylist and this, and is, this is body positive, positive. <laughs> I got it at first okay yeah please Thank introduce me. yourselves um and uh yeah let people know who you are Okay, so we agreed that I would go first. Um, I'm Lynn. Um, professionally, I'm a costume designer for film and television. Um, and I've been sewing for 40 years. I am 56 years old. I am married to my husband, David, for almost 10 years. And from a previous marriage, I have three grown children four granddaughters and a grandson on the way. Wow. Wow. Busy. busy no, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. And let's go. Okay, Alex. So I'm, uh, I'm Alex. I am a tailor here in Pasadena. It's so adaptive. I studied fashion design at the Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan. And then I studied abroad in Italy, tailoring out there. So I really got to refine my skills. And when I came back to the US, I went back to LA instead of back to New York and thought, hey, I'm going to open up a clothing factory because that'll be super fun thing to do. And so I did. And and it went well, you know, ups and downs. But man, what a stressful industry to be a part of. And uh, but I gained a lot of knowledge, gained the whole factory space. And I uh, wanted to stay in this industry where I got to be creative. I mean, I got to make things for 
as stressful as it was, had a lot of really big clients for production. I got to build other factories in uh, El Paso and Las Vegas, just working with other companies, giving some insight and trying to improve production uh, environments, try to improve efficiency, try to make that industry a little bit better than how I found it. Uh, but I definitely did find some disillusionment, disillusionment in, uh, in living there or being in that industry. And that's when I met Lynn, who uh, happened to be living down the street from my factory. I needed a piano. I needed a, something moved one day, like a sewing machine moved into my shop, and I had no help. It was after hours. It was after repairs. And so I thought I'd walk down the street and pay somebody or try to get somebody to just help me move this off my truck. And happened to meet, uh, meet Lynn's husband, who is a piano mover, and which is like great luck because heavy sewing machines, you know, getting them down. And uh, through him, I met Lynn. Lynn got a gig doing um, designing costumes for Cirque du Soleil. That was 2022. So yeah, it feels like a million years ago. With all this stuff, you know. But 2022, and then we uh, we linked up from there. Just like loved working together. We thought I did a runway show for Runway of Dreams, which is a disability adaptive runway show that specializes in showcasing all the adaptive fashion that's available for people with disabilities, which can be limited, but it is what's available now. Uh, we saw that it was limited. We saw that people with disabilities want clothes just like everybody else. They shouldn't be able to be limited just to adaptive, even though they could really benefit from specifically adaptive. So we thought, hey, why don't we take any clothing you have and make it adaptive, which is how we came to, you know, sewn adaptive. Yeah. So, so this cool. is like a awesome. fairly new operation that like you guys started in 2022. Yeah. We opened our doors in November here at the shop, but we started working in March last year on sewn adaptive. Wow. Wow. You have, it seems like you've grown quite a bit already. You know, I understand that you are actually accepting tailoring projects that people send you through the mail um, so could you go over a little bit of what your offerings are at Sewn Adaptive? Uh, well, we do. So we do tailoring alterations just in person alteration work like you would with any tailor shop where people come in, except our space is actually accessible. We have a changing room that has a changing table on it for people that need assistance. It's also fully accessible in that it's a large changing area where our wheelchair user clients, people use crutches, haven't been able to actually be in a fitting room where they can change, kind of just need to guess or really struggle. Uh, we have everything fully accessible here. And we also offer online for everybody who's not in California or able to travel very easily. So we do Zoom calls with them. There's a lot of alterations that we can do just via that call. They mail it in and we alter it for them. We've been doing that consistently for our really, um, for a lot of the clients in the area, even who just buy their clothes and have it shipped to us. And since we have their measurements for their specific disability or need for their disability, we just make those alterations and send it to them. So they get their clothes right from the start completed for them. And then that could be things for accessibility, like adding in zippers to access prosthetics or medical devices, making things a little bit bigger in a proportion way that the average tailor maybe doesn't have experience in, making things proportionally smaller in ways that the average tailor doesn't have experience in. And that's really what puts us as a specialty business. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's really cool. I, I mean, I don't think there's any question that I'm pretty nerded, nerded out on what you do, <laughs> but um, I think one of the things that's really cool is there are so many different ways you've thought about the experience for your clients beyond, 
you know, a, a lot of times when people think about what an accessible space looks like, they think, oh, I just need to have like larger changing rooms or things along those lines. But you've gone a step further with the table, with thinking, really thinking through all the different ways that you can accommodate um, your clients. One of the things that I'm curious about is how you learned the art of adaptive tailoring. Did you each come to the table being like, I, I've done this already? Was this something that you learned together? Was there a trial and error period? Like, tell us more about your process. Well, how we came to decide to recognize the need. Um, when we did the first runway show for Runway of Dreams, um, right away, first of all, adaptive is, is a real new term to the zeitgeist there's a lot of people that have no clue what that even means yeah. um and ourselves included when we did the first show you know we did the first show and it was kind of like hey i got a gig will you do it with me yeah hey i got a gig will you do it with me yeah and the experience for that first show both of us having fashion backgrounds both of us you know mine working in the entertainment industry you know him working in mass production and we did this show and some of the things were adaptive, like the brands had done their, their adaptive stuff. And then some of the stuff was regular clothes that needed to be adaptive. And, you know, if, if you're into sewing or you sew or you, you know, design, you know, that kind of troubleshooting happens regardless. Do you know what I mean? It's like, whether it's a disability or not, I mean, it's like, you know, a celebrity is short and we gotta, we gotta work that out. You know what I mean? And so um, for us, we did this show <clears throat> with my background, watching the talent be so excited and so grateful for an opportunity, but knowing that what we were putting them in, they would never wear. Yep. And having that moment and going, okay, what would you wear? And knowing that, you know, oh, I'd love a flared, you know, I'd love a flared leg jean. And it was like, why not? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why not? And yeah. so we walked away from that going, okay, this isn't being done, not because it can't be done. This isn't being done because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay we have all the ability to to tackle any one of these you know scenarios and so we just went all in we got back from the show the first show was here in LA we went on Instagram we contacted every model that was at the show that was here in Los Angeles and we said hey come to our sh his shop at the time not accessible came to the show i said was come it, to the it show wasn't it was it was built to be right yeah. said come to the shop and we will adapt anything you have now everybody out there because there's so few options in adaptive fashion yeah they're all just straight up coping so hopefully they have a caregiver or a mom or a nana who sews or they have an understanding tailor at some dry cleaner um that's their experience to this point. So they they all did. And we did videos and we did tutorials of everything we did and started, you know, our our Instagram account. And it just, you know, immediately blew up. And we knew it was like, this is what we need to do. You know, 
full stop. Yeah. It was like the first week in May, we decided on a name and we started looking for a place. We did the Runway of Dreams show uh, for New York Fashion Week uh, last September. We came back, found the spot, opened the shop in November. Yeah. 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 It's amazing how quickly it came together. And, you know, it is something that as a and pretty able-bodied person, I never really think about how just like putting on a shirt or taking a shirt off is just like an everyday thing. And for someone that might be challenging and it's so great to see that there's someone actually thinking about this. Because mm -hmm. until Cap brought it to me, I was not, this was not something that I was like, you know, unfortunately not really thinking about. Right. And I, I don't think that a lot of people know how, how many people actually struggle with disabilities and mm -hmm. especially, especially invisible disabilities or things that just don't seem super clear. We, uh, my first uh, experience with adaptive was when I when I first started my factory, I needed an income source, but it was you need a reputation to be able to manufacture at a larger scale. So I would start working with dry cleaners and then doing mass quantities of alterations through the factories. And uh, and the biggest thing that I would see with some individuals was accessibility issues. Some people thought, you know, my buttons are too small. Could you make the buttons a little bit bigger? And then the, the next one was uh, one client who and I never met them because I was behind the scenes just doing alterations. But they always wanted their buttons snapped um, instead of having buttons. But could you it was a, could you make it look like uh, look like it was a button? And I would bring that back to the dry cleaner and say, hey, who is this person that wants all these like snap things? It's so weird. And they were saying, oh, this guy, he like comes in, he doesn't have any fingers. And I thought, oh, that's something. But you know, what, what a business idea that could be. But you know, it's like how many people don't have fingers really, yeah. you know, like realistically not that many. And now flash forward, like is it six years from then? It was, there's a lot of people who don't have fingers and there's a lot of people who don't have use of their fingers the way that the rest of the population may. And that's what we have to uh, have to really adapt for. In fact, I think that statistic is really high. It's like around 10% of the population that has that problem, you know? And, and like Lynn likes to point out, that type of accessibility challenge is something that we will all face in our life at some point. The amount of us that will get old and not have trouble buttoning our shirts even correctly is a very small population. I mean, I know with how much I work with my hands, there will be a time like my mother where I have arthritis that is painful and it's, it's gonna make it more difficult for me to do certain things. Yeah. So that's something I have to factor in with my life. And it's like, it doesn't have to be a full-blown disability, but there's so much use in the work that we can do to help people get along in their daily lives. Yeah, and as someone living with lupus, so I have lupus and I deal with chronic pain. Um, I sort of joke that it's like, it's like routine. I have like routine chronic pain, you know? And so uh, a lot of it actually for me shows up in my hands um, and my wrists. And so one of the things that I was curious about from a selfish standpoint, you've kind of touched on this already, was what are some of the adapt, like what are some of the adaptations that you make for clothing for people who have chronic pain or swelling or even just just limited abilities in their hands. I saw some things with magnets on your profile, for example. Yeah. Well so we um so magnets is 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 a big one that we do. We'll switch out um well we'll close up a buttonhole, put the button on top, and then put magnets underneath. 
So from the top, it looks like it's supposed to look, which we like to point out to brands. We don't change your design. We don't change your silhouette. We adapt it mm -hmm. and, and, and it's discreet. So mm -hmm. that's one. Um, we put uh, invisible zippers in inseams for people who have uh, prosthetics or um, who might have their medical devices that they wear around their leg. Um, so they have easy access to those. We put in hidden pockets for all kinds of things um, in coats for them to carry medical devices um, in, gosh, bodysuits, swimwear. But the, the closures for, for especially like dexterity, yeah. I think are probably the most popular thing yeah. to do. The magnetic, magnetic uh, zippers are really popular too. Yeah. And not just for, um, not just for people with disabilities, but we do it for a lot of children. Kids have a hard time zipping their jackets up and, mm -hmm. uh, and it can discourage them to wear the jackets or they get lost or, you know, whatever. And, and we do, um, we do swap out zippers for magnetic ones. And what those do is they, you know, that bottom part of the zipper that can be hard to match up and then pull up and latch, you just bring them close by each other and they hook and all you have to do is pull up and you know, we've done it for, you know, one and a half year olds that have been able to then zip their own clothes. And it makes that independence way more special. And that can help really anybody. It's such a useful and discreet item to be able to have and installing clothing, the magnetic buttons, the hook and loop buttons are or hook and loop closures behind the buttons on shirts can be a little bit handy too, because it's, it's easier to tear apart um, a little bit harder to care for in some ways because they can get a little, you know, look tangled or make noise. Some people don't like the fact that they make noise, um, but it is really solid and lightweight. So there's solutions there. And we use a lot of really good quality Velcro brand hook and loop products that, you know, are like, um, like they're sleek and thin for the clothing. So it, mm -hmm. it's not abrasive. Like you would, uh, you would imagine hook and loop from, from different brands to be uh, very an abrasive substance, scratchy, but the, uh, oh. the hook and loop, that's the, um, what is the sleek and, the thin? Sleek and thin? It just, it's very soft on both sides. So but it's also great for, strong. Right. And, yeah. and very strong. Yeah. The sheer tension on it's great. So th those are great options that we have that you know, help anybody with any sort of a dexterity challenge carry on with the confidence and independence that you know i think everybody deserves to have we do a lot of proportion um alterations like a a high low hem to a shirt for somebody who's in a wheelchair um also wheelchair users because you're in the seated position your pants are inherently need to be longer mm -hmm. so yeah. we'll we'll do that um a lot of proportion stuff for like spina bifida. There's, you know, there's, yeah. there's so many different um, yeah. disabilities. And so there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different adaptions. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we add in a lot of times when people think taking out pants, for example, adding in like a little gusset there that gives you more room. Uh, it's different than when I've ever done that in the past where I'm adding in room for hip space uh, for people, a lot of people with disabilities have medical devices around their waist that get pressure. So we add that space not for their actual waist size, but to relieve pressure. So it's a very yeah. particular place where we add it. It's not like the usual. Mm -hmm. So there's, um, there's, it's a different type of tailoring and it kind of feels like the final frontier of fashion in some mm -hmm. ways. You know, it's like all the silhouettes have been made. Now it's time to help people actually, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. I think what you do is so important. One of the, one of the things that I think is like a fringe benefit or a side benefit uh, that we see a lot in, 
disability adaptations in general is that the general population, whether you have a disability or not, can benefit from these things as well. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. I had like an example in mind. I think of um, one of our friends of the cast who will almost definitely listen, he will listen to this episode is Alex Locust, uh, who goes by Glamputee on Instagram. He is a disability advocate. Um, he's been featured by brands like Levi's. He um, does public speaking around this. He actually also even does uh, an event, a workshop called uh, Spill the Disability. So he's very active in this space. And one of the things that he talks a lot about is uh, how there are things that we inject, that the general population gets to enjoy things like, so for example, an elevator in an office building you know, uh, makes somebody makes things more accessible for somebody who's in a wheelchair or um, has mobility issues. It also makes it so that the rest of us don't have to climb 30 flights of stairs just to get to our office, which also smell sounds really smelly to me, like just really sweaty <laughs> and gross, <laughs> uh, which is all I care about. But uh, no, that's not true. Uh, maybe it's true. I don't know. Um, but uh, the thing that I'm wondering, uh, what are some of the things that are adaptations that you have created in tailoring or or even like things that use, like the magnets are a great example. Uh, the magnetic zipper, by the way, was like a revolutionary thing when I saw that on your page. Yeah. I was like, I never want to use a regular zipper again. Like My, hus my husband said the same thing. He was literally like, can you change out everything? It was so like, why aren't they all like that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, exactly. Why not make so everything easy? Sorry, go ahead, Jenny. <laughs> or just like, why not make all of it easy? Yeah. Are there thing, other things like that that you um, make ad as adaptations for your clients that you're like, the general population would really benefit from this? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think zippers in things that wouldn't otherwise be there are immensely useful. Right. Uh, loops are another thing. There's there's a particular alteration that we do where we add sort of like a belt loop, but it's on the interior of the pant waistband can help people with limited dexterity pull their pants up much easier. Um, and that, you know, that's something that is super useful for any, anybody who can, you know, just get a better grip on their pants where they're pulling them up or without tearing is another thing. You know, a lot of times when you pull your back pant belt loops, it tears out of your pants. But if you have a specific one that's meant, to help you with that you can really actually get your clothes on better maintain the quality of your clothes it's a big one zippers and in, in the pant legs are really stylish and we already do them you know buy sweatpants and they have a zipper in the side you know they they already do but if that zipper is four inches longer it's now an adaptive product and it can help people with uh, prosthetics that are below the knee fit I mean, or, or excess much easier, you know, it's like a really great thing. And you wouldn't even notice if Adidas had a four inch longer zipper on the side of the pant leg, nobody would notice, except it would make a world of difference to an entire group of people. So we can all benefit from that. You know, there's, there's a bunch of small things that we've done that yeah. can make, you know, even tactile things, you know, the way that things are sewn that can make it a bit more comfortable for right. people who have, you know, sensory challenges and get you know a bit uncomfortable with the way certain things feel or seems feel just sewing methods those can really really benefit people and we like to you know we try to take time on occasion to make our stuff for ourselves personally and we like to always have them be adaptive yeah. do you know what i mean and it's like we're wearing them the way we're wearing them because they look fly yeah, yeah. they just they just happen to be adaptive you yeah. know what I mean? 
So mm -hmm. it's, you know, as I say in, in some of the videos, it's like, it's a design choice. We make design choices all the time with details. It's, it's a design choice. It just also happens to serve a need. I'm wondering in your process, have there been moments where you ran into challenges of like things that were really tough for you to figure your way through, you know, a lot of what you do is math and, yeah. and geometry and like, you know, are, have there been moments where you're like, I'm not quite sure how to solve for X on this. Um, you know, definitely. I came from a manufacturing background. So things are very, um, I don't want to say traditional, but it's like, you know, we do, we manufacture in a certain way. And if we're going to change something, it's going to be to improve it, but it's, it's a long strategy of change. I produced a lot of genes. People before me produced genes for decades the same way, but I have just better equipment now, but do it this pretty much the same way. So things don't change. You know, it's like we've we've perfected this thing. So then to come and look at the situation and say, great, now let's make this big change to it and interrupt the process that's been going on for so long in my head that makes sense. You know, how we do gene inseams with that thick, like uh feld seam, you know, if you see that, like there's like two rows of stitching and it's super thick. Yeah. Um, just the way that that is, there's no center point. It's kind of like two folded, almost origami like pieces that, that get stitched in there. So when we have to add an inseam with a, uh, with a zipper, an invisible zipper that's hidden, but still maintains the seam, that type of seam and a seam where I put a zipper in are very different. And my brain immediately goes, that can't happen. That's not right. In a manufacturing way, and it's totally right. In a manufacturing way, it'd be like, no, hey, you, you can't do that. You've just broken up the whole deal here. Yeah. But because we do what we do and we have to find those solutions, like that's a really tough one that we've, I, I think I'm like 95% of the way from being like, yeah, I nailed this thing. There's a little bit of origami involved in making, putting an invisible zipper in there so you don't see it. It's it's pretty tedious of a process to make it totally invisible because we take the threads out. We need to match the thread, put the thread back in so it looks clear. Um, it's definitely was tricky. And there were a lot of times where I was like, hey, I don't, I, I don't think this is going to work. Let's just not do jeans. And then Lynn was like, no, it's really it's yeah. like you can do this. You can figure out how to do that seam, how to work in that seam. Like you sewed those seams, you know better than I do those, those inseams. So and so then, and now we've pretty much nailed it and probably tweak it a little bit and we'll get there. But it's, you know, there, there are some things where we hit where it's like, this is so impractical of a thing. And it's like, no, I need to, need to <laughs> sit. I really got, I really got in the, you know, factories are like all about time and efficiency. And yeah. it's like, this well, is for, so tough, you know, I'm and sure it, the costuming part. Yes. And so what happens is the, the whimsy cost, and how we yes, costume design, there are no rules. Yeah. Or none. And so I think that's one of the things that why we work so well together is, you know, you know, he can produce an excellent product. He can, you know, if, if margins for others were involved, he's going to make you money. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to that out of the box element, I definitely, we definitely have that yin and yang going on yeah. where it's like, you know, it, it is possible, you know, right. let's, let's keep doing he just he just did a a suit for one of our clients, uh, Chelsea Hill, for an event, um, and it's it's a chain stitch like a nudie suit, uh, yeah. amazing. Like mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it, you need to go look at it. It's amazing. Yeah. We got a chain stitch machine, and we're geeking out over it. Um, 
And we created a pattern. He created a pattern um, for the wheelchair user, having, you know, eliminating all the bulk of fabric here. Um, and it's totally different dart manipulation. Standing up, if somebody was standing up, those pants might look a little like, wait, what? What's that seam for? But because they're always seated and, you know, it looks amazing. And, you know, that's not out there. Like that yeah. is not out there. That is not out there. And and so I always really enjoy, especially with wheelchair users, fr from a costume design standpoint is I'm I'm thinking like, what is this? What does this look like on camera? What, you know, what is, what is in the box? Well, the silhouette is all of their front. That includes the front of their legs, none of their lap, their front. And so you make sure that every aspect of the front is 100%. Yeah. The rest, there's no back pockets on the back because nobody needs back pockets on the back. Right. If you're yeah. seated. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things like that, that we get to, you know, make really strong and, and fashion forward because it's a totally different position than everything else you see out in fashion. Wow. You, you could literally write a new book. One of the things I'm curious about with this is whether any of this, did you even talk about the I know adaptive adaptive tailoring is like you said it's kind of a new concept at least as a word, but people have existed with disabilities forever, and so one of the things that I'm wondering is like were, were was there any education around this for you when you were at FIT or when you were learning from others in mentorship programs anything or is this for you it it's been totally creating your path. Um. Well, you know I, I didn't. I didn't have it as a topic with any schooling that I did. It, even when I was tailoring um, abroad, there was no mention of this. Uh, even here in Los Angeles, doing anything like this, the only experience that I ever had with adaptive was the one client who wanted his snap buttons. And even then it was, there was no connection there. I thought, okay, that's one person, you know, and doing the snaps the way I did it, I was just doing what I was told. I didn't take the time at that point to realize that just snaps are really, they're not, they're not great for, for dexterity. They're hard to match up for anybody and snap, put the pressure on. So, uh, but they were what this person knew the probably what their parent, his parents did for them. And, and that's mm -hmm. how he's got on his entire life mm -hmm. because the snaps and the hook and loop probably weren't there for, you know, those relatively new 1970s, uh, for, um, 1970s invention for hook and loop from Velcro and then modern day, like the past five years for the magnetic closures for shirts. So yeah. that's all brand new stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so there really wasn't anything around that. And we have, and this is no shame on other companies that are doing this, like big brands like Tommy Hilfiger, Kohl's, JCPenney, Target that are offering adaptive clothing. The research and development is super new. Um, mm -hmm. There's teams that are working on it. But it, it, it's brand new. And a lot of times it's um, a lot of times it's teams of people who don't have disabilities or physical disabilities. You know, we don't have physical disabilities, but we still are super invested in this. And it's just about taking the time to really do the research and dive into it fully, which we've seen from a lot of companies enthusiasm about and from other companies 
total lack of enthusiasm about having to almost have to do this. You know, we definitely see it as we get to do this and, and we see a big difference in the quality of the product from companies like, you know, I'm a big fan of Sonoma's production of, of adaptive um, products because they do a really good quality and it's clear in the product that they actually want to do it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you could really see that in the final, the final product. And we, you know, we'd like to, we like to think that people, if they see it the way that we see it, if they can really get an idea that it's possible and that it's not intrusive, it's inclusive, that it can actually help people really be the best version of themselves because they have the personal confidence to do so. I mean, I, I think my my confidence a lot comes from how I dress in my daily life. And if you take that away from me, then that, there's definitely going to be some lacking there, you know? And the one thing with that is that not only do our our brands just starting to come into it, I too, with my education in fashion, there there was nothing. There was right. nothing at all um, in adaptive. But what we've come to realize just in the short time that we've had the shop and and attending events is that the community at large doesn't know what they can have because they've never had it. So we'll go to these events and we'll bring samples of things that we can do for them. And they'll literally be like, wait, what? You know what I mean? And, and so it's kind of a, it's, it's a mutual situation where it's like fashion is not quite caught up and, and neither is the disabled community. And we're, we're like right in the middle trying to, you know, educate and, and get the word out there to the community that it's like, Hey, you, you know, just because you have had an injury that now you're in a wheelchair, you jeans are off the table is no, that that's not the case. And, you know, come on in and we'll, we'll show you how, you know, you have a favorite piece that you've done. Um, like an adaptive piece. What is your favorite adaptive piece? I'm, I don't know that favorite why it's hard it's hard to say i think yeah. i have favorite things that we do like favorite solutions yeah like something where you're like the yeah, best ones that, that we've been able to nail cool. um i think that the zipper and the pant leg one for as much as it frustrates me it was probably the the best one to nail because mm-hmm. it helps so many people and it's pretty versatile i think another good one is the, the high quality magnetic snaps that we use yeah. inside of some of the outerwear coats um, those are really high quality. We sew them in. They look just like how they were, you know, the buttons are still showing yeah. and they just snap together. Uh, they hold really well because they're designed for that heavy weight. So that, that one's, that was a really good one. Too. That one, that one's a good one because, um, like he said, it's like, you know, we have this Kate Spade coat. That's a, you know, full-blown winter outerwear, beautiful coat. Yeah. Um, and you know, it has the buttons and everything. And the the magnets are, you, you, I mean, you would have to be up on somebody to even know that they're there, but they are so powerful that you could yeah. have it on and it'll be like, I gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you don't even have to be involved. It's like literally, yeah. um, that one's really satisfying. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, I think the best ones that we found are the ones where we can hide the the adaptation as discreetly as possible. And I think that's a big part of the, the confidence in wearing the clothing. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the biggest complaints that we do hear from people is, well, it looks so medical, you know, I'm not putting yeah. on like a harp or something. You know, there's, there's definitely, I think, 
this idea behind adaptive, whatever there was an idea for an adaptive, it was sort of like helping old people in wheelchairs. And that's, <laughs> I think a lot of people found it very offensive yeah. and, and not helpful because even yeah. those solutions for old people in wheelchairs really didn't help them. And so it, we just kind of got this just brick wall of solutions that didn't really go anywhere. And I think people did the math just like I did when we started in this. I did the math as a manufacturer and said, yeah, this doesn't work. Adaptive doesn't work. And I'm sure a lot of other people did the exact same thing as me and said, you know, let's not invest in this as a company. It right. doesn't work practically. But I also, number one, didn't bring any sort of a goodwill into that that math. And I didn't think about the possibility that you know, things could happen outside of my control over the manufacturing process or what the demographic is. There's actually people with a legitimate need. Just looking at the numbers, I thought, you know, it's 24% of the population of people with disabilities. And out of that, you know, now, you, now you're breaking down your model. So if you try to sell a jacket that's adaptive just to those people, now you have to find it's a quarter of your actual demographic that you would sell the first jacket to. Oh, why would you do that? That's not useful. Right. But I never factored in, what if I just changed my mindset? And instead of manufacturing from the get-go adaptive products, we looked at it as a all-around service that you could do. We offer that to brands. You know, you can produce 500 jackets. You get the low cost from your manufacturer of $19 per jacket for your denim jackets that you've had manufactured. Great. Now you send them to us. We make those jackets adaptive. You're yeah. still way low on your cost, even if you distribute yeah. that cost along a bunch of other jackets, you've still only raised the other cost of the jackets two or three bucks. Yes, it's it's a lot for manufacturing, but you, you've totally offered everything to this other right. brand without having to ruin your margins or make a separate adaptive department that's producing clothes that may not even be what people like. Now you have the ability to offer absolutely everything and then you sell Instead of losing your demographic or narrowing down your demographic, you've opened up 24% more people right. that may buy your garment. Right. So that's another, adding another person to that and out of that four people. So it's a really good, uh, it's a really good thing when you remove the math totally. A lot of companies aren't willing to do that and they totally understand big companies that can be very difficult. But when there are people in those companies who see the actual need and have a little bit of that faith that, yeah, this is for good it does show in the product. And we have seen that from different companies, not just clothing wise, but any, any sort of adaptive product. And because Alex, you know, came from the factory background, I mean, we have a full service factory. Yeah. Wow. We kept like 90% of the equipment that I had from the factory. It's like the most absurd tailor shop. Yeah. This is, this is the <laughs> palace of tailoring shops. It's like you're used to like one or two sewing machines in a little room. And it's like, no, it's like, it was like 90% of our space is just a huge yeah. factory in yeah. the back of what could you possibly need? Because we made clothes from scratch. So whatever you need done, we can do just like the people who actually made the garment. You know, if we yeah. have to remove a rivet on a pair of jeans, your tailor cannot put that metal jean rivet back in. We absolutely we can. can. We, have yeah, we, have, we have all the, we have metric and US standard. It's like, there's a <laughs> whole bunch different things that we have from the factory setup that are just absurd for any tailor shop to own it's like He's, it looks he like he always says that too he's just like yeah it's, this is I've never absurd said, yeah this is and, a tailoring shop yeah it's, it doesn't look at, <laughs> it looks like a and i love it <laughs> it's like it's, you, you are actually building 
new yeah, parts yeah. of the item, right? So it's not just yeah. like cutting yeah. and sewing and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but- it is, it, it's a huge perk, yeah. Because otherwise it would be very difficult to prove that we can do the, do what we can to larger brands. And because of that, we can take, like we did a little while ago and took 50 jeans and, and did them here. Uh, tailor shops or individuals, it's really hard to take that quantity and offer the, the significant change into those products with a consistent return on the quality. And because we have all the equipment we have, there's, there's no reason why it wouldn't be as good as what the factory that made the jeans in the first place would be able to have done. Yeah. I think it's so cool. I mean, it sounds like you have like a dreamland for, for most tailors to be able to play with all of that equipment. I don't mean play, but it is playing. Like I've run, I've gotten to play with a rivet machine before and it is fun. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, um, I could rivet it for a while. I could really, it was like stress relief. Um, well, then you should come I, here and do yeah. that. <laughs> I will. Oh, if that's an invitation, I'll be there in five minutes. Yeah. Um, no, but I think one of the things I was wondering about is, you know, because this is a lane where there's, it's not like there's a lot of competition right now. Um, I don't even know that I would see it as a competition. One of the things I'm wondering is, and, and you're relatively new as a business, but are you thinking, what do you think that this landscape could look like a few years from now? Like, do you think, or is it your hope that more tailors are going to get on board with adaptive tailoring? Are you offering classes? Are you, I mean, it seems to me like it would be great if there were more people like you doing what you do and everyone would benefit from that. Well, I think that Lynn and I both have a perspective on what we'd like to see this move into. I mean, I definitely have a more, I think, a very grand idea of what I'd like to see happen here. I mean, I I think more tailors doing this might be less realistic than I would like it to be, truly. But I think that on the whole, you we are losing tailors, not getting more of them. Mm -hmm. Although I've seen a lot of young people pick up sewing. As a career, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know if it's going to stick around. It's only been in the past couple of years where I really have seen that that growth. Um, so I'm not totally sure. I, what I am focusing on with Lynn is trying to show people on a very basic level that adaptive is possible. There are solutions for you. Because we jumped into this and we immediately, after doing the, a little bit of research, said, we have the solution for all you brands. You know, we're at like A, step A with... Um, uh, adaptive in the adaptive world. People don't know what it means. We're super basic. We found a solution for step D already, but nobody's there. And we're like trying to show you, look, you send us this stuff. We'll manufacture. We can do, we can do all this work for you. And brands are sort of like, well, I don't tr- truly know what adaptive even means. And so we had to take a step back and go, okay, let's look at this really yeah. calmly and think, how can we show everybody adaptive so we took it to more of a i don't want to say customization but tailoring and direct to consumer service we do a lot of custom work whether that's wheelchair backrest covers which are super you know um straightforward of an item that we can create for people that can show look you can have things for you that are not just custom but that you know you you can wear we go we do events where we can customize clothing that is adaptive that isn't adaptive 
maybe with a message that is adaptive. We work with the Rolettes, a dance group in Los Angeles, where we just did a, an event with them where we embroidered on people's clothes with a chain stitch, put your name on it, put patches that are empowering on there. And so it becomes this thing where we can show you, look, there are so many options for you. There's options for the community. There's options at a larger scale. We do good quality custom work. We do good quality um, alteration work. And that's something that a lot of people, even in, within film and television that we've worked in, have had struggles with when working with clients with disabilities or talent with disabilities. So we're hoping that's, that though we don't know when and where this industry is going to go, we can continue to slowly and patiently influence the growth of the adaptive world just in terms of fashion. You know, that's what we're good at. How can we show you, hey, right. adaptive is possible. Not forcing you, not being mad that you're not doing anything adaptive. Let me show you, let me welcome you into this space and show you that it really is feasible. It's financially feasible for the brands that think that it's not. It, it, it absolutely can be. Just hear me out. Watch me do it. You know, kind of a um, attraction rather than promotion image. Yeah. yeah. You know, Lynn, uh, you're a union member. Um, yeah. And so as a costumer, one of the things that I am curious about, I'm, I'm a stylist, so I'm not union. I could be eventually I need to look at what hours I have. Actually, I might qualify now. Yeah, I right, right now, right now you're good. So oh, don't worry about it. Right now yeah, you're good. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one of those things where I've thought about it. Uh, but as well, the thing that I wonder about is, as a stylist who specializes in working with people of all different sizes and shapes, right? Um, the thing that I hear over and over and over again, whether it's somebody who's a new client of mine or somebody who's like a friend of mine who's in the industry or whatever is that they have, they almost, almost everybody has had a bad experience with a costume designer or a stylist or somebody who wasn't prepared to dress their body. And sure. so as the one, talent that has happened so many times, right? Yeah. Plus size talent where right. I, show up and it's just like they're like I don't we went to Ross before this and I was like oh, okay and my wardrobe was entirely uh um Shit. yoga pants I was gonna say garbage <laughs> yeah and I was like oh, okay everyone else is in nice like designer clothing and they're like so we got you this shawl yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's something that you will want aren't you psyched yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, she looks so good, right. right? And that's so something that we hear from our clients that are talent with disabilities. It's like, oh, we have to literally be like, okay, our job is to make you look awesome. Right. So if we aren't doing our job, it is your job to be the diva that you deserve to be yeah. and say, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. And We've been called into several productions just because the talent yeah, was and disabled. And that's the thing is too, it's, to do it's, it. There's so, like you said about little education about it. The, the stylists that we've worked with on those shoots have been phenomenal stylists, yeah. really mm -hmm. amazing people. And a lot of times they're told, you know, this is some pictures about this person and they have spina bifida and their stature is, you know, four feet and, and they go, okay, I don't even know how to deal with that. And we talk about, especially when you have talent, that's little people. That's a really tough fit because a lot of people think, great, I'll buy children's clothes. That's not how a little person a lot of times is proportioned. So, and, and there's different types of dwarfism, but 
you know, the, some of the most common types, which I think a lot of people are familiar with, it can be, um, it can be this assumption, great, I'll buy small clothes for you. That doesn't work. It really doesn't work. And you end up with not fitting clothes. And we get calls where it's like, oh, we have this client, we don't even know what to do. And the client's sort of, you know, I think it's shamed in a yeah. certain way, yeah. like embarrassed. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd be embarrassed if I showed up and they were like, oh, I, I don't know what to do for you. And so that's where we come in and we say, like, you don't, it doesn't have to be like this. Does not have to be like this. We have a solution for you. We know exactly what you should buy, how we can tailor that, mm -hmm. what options off the rack do actually work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, it's like research and development that we constantly do. And, yeah. and, and, you know, to the, to your point too, it's like, Alex and I have done custom for, you know, I've done custom for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's done mm -hmm. custom for about, you know, we have dealt with every, I, I've, I've dressed Lou Ferrigno. You know what I mean? It's like okay. every extreme <laughs> out there, right? It's like, yeah. it's, all, yeah. it's, it's really all the same. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, I love what you I love, first of all, I love those two examples. I was like, oh, Lou, remember when Lou Frigna was so cute? And also, well, actually, same with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. We'll just put it on record. Right. But, um, but, and Lou Frigna, I dressed in drag, no less. Oh, okay. Well, we, can we oh. just sidebar? What was that story? <laughs> that was actually, that was actually for a, a Butterfingers commercial. Oh. <laughs> find this. Jenny, we need to find this. We need to find this. I know. We'll put it on we'll put it on the on the yeah. uh, Instagram. <laughs> it's out it's out there. I mean, I think that um the thing that is it, it's really interesting though that you use those two examples because those are two people who uh, most people don't think about would there be any challenge to dressing um, you know, a, a able-bodied person in that way. Like, oh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an athlete. Sure, it's hard to find things for tall people, but he's rich. He can just buy these things or whatever. But it's still, there's a whole process that goes in before you even get there. Because as I know, like I first, when I first started getting started with styling, um, my first celebrity client was uh, a big and tall actor who was on um, uh, a big, very popular TV show. Mm -hmm. And the thing for him is I took him, we, we actually did a shopping trip where we went to every big and tall place that I could find in LA. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a solid list and we were busy over three days of shopping, but, um, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, it's certainly not the same as like, if he was, I, you know, five ten and, uh, right like a 34 pant size. I mean, that's right. just the reality. Not, not nearly, not nearly the, the same amount of options. Yeah, for sure. And way more expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and you just described the disabled community's experience in a nutshell. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that I have been, Jenny asked this question before, but maybe you, uh, maybe you have some examples. What are some of the fun, like most fun projects you've worked on recently? Uh, I, the stuff for the roulettes. Yeah, that was, that was for a sure. ton of fun. So we did yeah. three custom looks for Chelsea. They had, they have like this empowerment week uh, once a year for female wheelchair users. Actually it's for, for uh, all disabilities, but specifically for females. Um, and, Chelsea, who's the founder of it, um, 
had us do three custom outfits. One out the suit we talked about that, and it's it's on is it on it's our on our Instagram? It's on our yeah, Instagram. It's the suit that Alex did. Then there was a disco night. I did a um, kind of a nod to share uh, for the disco night for Chelsea. Um, and actually, and her daughter, she has a little six month old who's the cutest child living. And then, um, and then her evening gown, her last look. Um, and what was so fun about that, besides the fact that it was custom and we both got to design, um, was that it was for a wheelchair user. And because the majority of our clients that come through that are wheelchair users, you know, are bringing ready to wear. And we have to take it in so that, you know, they don't have skirt in their wheels and, you know, and make sure the hem's right. And, you know, all these things that people have to do with ready to wear. And for Chelsea, we got to do the seated silhouette to perfection. Mm -hmm. And she looked incredible. Yeah, Yeah, really great. You know, and then we just did for them, they just performed in World of Dance uh, day before yesterday. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. And kind of 11th hour, uh, we got a call like, hey, we bought all this stuff, but what do you think? And I was like, hell no. Yes, we're taking that right now from you. And to get to design, again, keeping in mind their silhouette compared to the dancers that were able-bodied dancers in the troupe um, and, you know, and refashioning with denim and doing specific color blocking to make all their pieces cohesive with everyone and then making, you know, watching the choreography and knowing when, you know, certain positions they would all be uniformed. So to making sure that roulettes was down the sides of their arms and we did this distressed denim patch and rhinestone and everything. And, and then, and then Alex, we were trying to decide on the men's outfits, like, okay, how can we, you know, add this denim element again to make it cohesive. And he was like, let's throw in a zipper to the side seams just as a nod to adaptive. And we did. And it, I mean, it looked incredible. And it was so cool to watch the sequence of the routine and know at what points in that routine, visually, we wanted certain things to be, um, you know, focused on. And they were like, it was like, just straight fucking magic to watch the routine and go, nailed it. That was good stuff. Nailed it. Straight fucking magic, Jenny. Straight fucking magic. That is what it is. It is straight fucking magic. How can people find you? What's what's all the, all the steps? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at Stone Adaptive. That's the best way to keep in touch with us, too, because we're on there all the time. We also have our shop here in Pasadena on Colorado Boulevard, 2610 East Colorado Boulevard. Mm -hmm. We do it by appointments so that we can offer the best to our clients and still go to the shows that we need to to promote. So, and we always prefer that everybody try to make an appointment beforehand. They can go to our website, sonadaptive.com to do that, or they can email us directly at sonadaptive at gmail.com. And Alex on Instagram is Alexander the Taylor on Instagram. And I am LWS Lynn Wardrobe Sews. So cool. Thank you both so much for joining us today. I clearly nerded out real hard in this I was like tell me everything um we I just appreciate so much of what you do um Jenny where can people find you find me at jennyzagrino.com or 
uh, at Jenny Zagrino on Instagram and at Jenny Zagrino Comedy on TikTok. And I am at Style Ethic on everything. Don't look at my website. I need to update it. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, God. Positive. Gaudy. Positive. 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 Positive.